Welcome writers, game masters, and creatives to the World Builders Tavern. Today we are talking about season three of The Mandalorian. Hopefully you listened to our episode about season one and two because we are diving right back in. If you haven't watched seasons one, two, or three, do be warned, we are going to have spoilers here. But we hope that you will grab an ale, pull up a chair, and talk about it with us. I'm Emma, your friendly barkeep, along with Allison. Hello. And Christiana. Bonsoir. And we are so happy to have you here. Cheers. Cheers. So, The Mandalorian is an American space western TV series on Disney+. Plus. In season three, Din Djarin, who is our titular Mandalorian, is reunited with Grogu and the rest of his Mandalorian clan. They help Bo-Katan, a Mandalorian from a different tribe, unite the fractured Mandalorians across the galaxy in an attempt to reclaim their lost planet of Mandalore. Meanwhile, the New Republic struggles to keep the galaxy at peace, and an Imperial faction is on the rise. There's definitely a lot going on in this season. It is jam-packed. Yeah. I'm sad to say that I did not like this season as much as the previous two. I'm... Yeah, and I also, here's a big fat spoiler. <laughs> um, Get started off hot with a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I guess it's less a spoiler. Maybe like a controversial opinion. Mm, a I hot take, don't, let's go. <laughs> I don't know if Din is the titular Mandalorian. Oh, you think maybe Bo-Katan has taken it? I think maybe Bo-Katan or maybe Grogu. Ooh, yeah, that's Din true. Isn't he really is the main character in this season? He isn't. He yeah, he isn't the this main season, character. For sure. yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we will let our listeners know we are recording this on April 18th. Uh, so it is actually the day before the uh, season finale for season three. We were hoping to record it afterwards, but due to personal scheduling, we just couldn't do it. So instead, we're going to record today. And at the end, we're going to make some predictions about what we think is going to happen in the finale. And, uh, and then you we'll can find laugh right. at how wrong yeah. we are when this yeah. episode airs. Marvel at our psychic abilities if we get or it. That. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a departure in that the first two seasons were a lot more kind of episodic and the stakes were on a smaller scale. Like it was mostly about this guy and his kid. And yeah. rescuing the yeah. kid and going on little standalone adventures with the kid. And then all of a sudden in season three, it's no, no, no. Now we're retaking a planet and we're refounding our civilization. And yeah. these huge factions of glo- of politics, which were in the background in the first two seasons, are really kind of moving around now. Although I don't know if that's the main issue I had with it. So okay. it's, a- yeah, it's actually it? funny that you talk about like how the first two seasons are very episodic. Mm-hmm. And this one wasn't, which is mm-hmm. true. And yet I felt like this season was a lot more disjointed than the previous yes. season. Yeah, I agree like with it you. Together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you entirely, Allie. There was, I think it wasn't until maybe the like, the episode where, like, at least the third episode, I kind of got like more. With like Doctor Pershing and everything, mm, that was a great episode. Um, th- yeah, I also I could go on an entire rant about that episode, <laughs> but I'll I'll hold it for now, um, and a good rant about that episode. Um, but it felt very much like so much setup, yeah, and you were mm. waiting so long for it mm-hmm. to connect mm-hmm. and pay off. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the thing that I felt where I'm like, okay, this thing is happening. 
okay, yeah. this I'm, thing is happening and I'm then this still... thing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to decide how I feel about the Dr. Pershing episodes because I was excited to talk about it on the podcast when I saw it because I'm like, this is a really strange choice that they made mm-hmm. to suddenly yeah. not be showing the Mandalorian's yeah. perspective or Grogu and going to these weird side characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, not weird. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. um, and I really liked some of the things that the episode did. Like it gave us some more backstory into like living in the the world of Star Wars, the mm-hmm. universe yeah. of Star Wars after the Imperial, um, after the New Republic has taken over. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really liked that. I'm like, this is a really interesting world building going on. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. like it, I think, as far as cohesive story structure for this show. Mm. Yeah. Um that's so I, fair. yeah, I felt like kind of torn about it. Can I go on my quick little rant yes. about <laughs> why I love this episode? Yeah. Okay. We I may agree. fast forward it in post if this goes really fast, <laughs> just because it took 20 minutes and we'll just get Jason our editor to just like three times it. <laughs> yeah. Um I'll I'll try to be quick. Um I agree entirely with your point, Ellie, that it feels almost like it doesn't belong yeah. in this episode. Or in this season, I should say. Um, but as we reviewed and discussed Annihilation mm-hmm. from Jeff Vandermeer, the second book, Authority, is entirely about bureaucratic nonsense. <laughs> and as uh, someone who worked... Just, just a little side note, that episode we hasn't aired yet so that's an upcoming episode. Oh, okay okay upcoming episode yeah. we were we talking about out this of order yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> upcoming episode we talk about the first novel in the southern reach trilogy the second novel in the southern reach trilogy is very much about bureaucratic nonsense mm. and as someone who has worked in government for a very <laughs> long time i get bizarrely excited <laughs> when a sci-fi or fantasy story talks about how much of a nightmare it would be mm, politically yeah. mm-hmm. and bureaucratically. Mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed that. Like the forced interview with the droid mm-hmm. who isn't yep. even a person and you have to like answer these things. And it's like so frustrating and so stupid. And like mm-hmm. you're going through all of these things. And I, I just personally love things like that. Um, because that's my, that's my lived experience, right? (laughs) I've I've sat through too many meetings in my life where I'm like, are we really like, why is this a three hour meeting? Uh I literally (laughs) had one today, a full day meeting where I'm like, why is this even a discussion? Why are we meeting for five hours to say, don't do the thing that hurts people, Mm. right? Like, why is that like such a fundamental part of Mm -hmm. these kind of open oppressive organizations Mm -hmm. and so I really liked it for that reason but I totally agree it feels very out of place Mm -hmm. and I hate using the term filler um because I think people often misuse it Mm -hmm. like filler when you think filler episode you think um people just like they didn't have anything else to write it's just fluff whatever Mm -hmm. this provides a lot of important context but it did also feel a little disjointed where I was like, okay, I loved it as a standalone. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. 
but how does it actually tie into anything yeah, else? Yeah, same. Like, could you could have pulled Ooh, this out. I have a thought. Go ahead, Emma. <laughs> I <laughs> think one, so I really love this episode. And actually one of the reasons I think season three didn't land for me as much, because I do agree that I like the other two better. I think mm -hmm. it is because I preferred the episodic. So one, mm -hmm. I, I really like that kind of return to, oh, this is a standalone episodic one. Yeah. But I do think it also connects because I think it works to give the story stakes in yeah. that we are see shown some of the cracks in the new republic like the fact that yes. they're scrapping perfectly good machinery uh you know it's because they don't have time to fill it out it's like bureaucratic and like it's not a perfect utopian society mm -hmm. and so i think that gives us stakes because they say later on there's a discussion between the imperial generals talking about well there there are people still loyal to us who will rise up and that i think is given more weight because we see why they might like we see oh yeah, the New Republic might not be all it's cracked up to be. This is why people might actually support the Imperial forces and why this could be a legitimate threat. Because we're usually yeah. just shown the Imperial yeah. forces as like, oh, they're purely evil. Why would anybody want to follow them? How could it even possibly be credulous that anybody would rise up yeah. and support them? Now we kind of see why. So I think that might give it more stakes. It, it does also, I think, really hinge on that last episode and to kind of see what happens with it. Oh, also, of course, the fact that the New Republic literally brainwashes someone, which is a horrible oh my gosh. treatment of somebody. That, and like, so clearly a, the New oh, Republic is not great. Like, they also that's suck, my, right? So. That's my theory for the last episode. But I will Ooh. say, I think, um, like, uh, episode six does mm -hmm. a better job of that, mm. of the malfunctioning droids yes. and everything like that. Like, yeah. you, you could have done it in a way that it wasn't the entire focus of the episode. Um, like I said, I still absolutely adore this episode. It's one of my favorite episodes. But as a writer, I can kind of step back and say, this felt a little, a touch out of place. That you brainwashing know, like scene, I had such a hard time watching oh, that. So I was up. like, yeah. why does the dial even go up that high if it's not supposed <laughs> to be used that way? Come on, yeah. people. That's what I mean. But it could have also been just a scene. I'm not saying it should have been because, like I said, I adore this episode. Yeah. This was one of my favorite episodes. But like I said, also being able to step back as a writer and say, you know, it was, it was, I, I felt like it was custom made for me as someone who worked in government for way too long. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was like this, this hit a very small target audience and I, I, part yeah. of it, and I loved it. I agree with what, everything yeah. you have both said though. Like it was a really good episode, but it didn't really fit with the rest of the, mm -hmm. although I will just add one tiny thing. The eating the glowing popsicles made me oh, really happy. Yeah. I, I just really liked that. That was a lovely world-building <laughs> touch. Yeah. Just yeah. to have weird foods. Weird food, <laughs> yeah. And also um, the peak of the mountain on this is like a deep cut. I think it's The Light of the Jedi, the one of the latest novels. I say latest. I've been in grad school and have not read a lot since then novels um, in the past. but like a couple of years oh, yeah. ago they did yeah. the light of the jedi and um the peak of the mountain still being um accessible on coruscant was kind of like part of the hmm. plot so uh -huh. i liked it yeah i always cool. like saying um i clap because i recognize it <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> in star wars where i'm like oh i know that thing yay i gotta clap like yeah that's wonderful. Okay, I really want to talk about the Mandalor the two Mandalorian groups 
and specifically yes. the yes. Mandalorian. I'm going to call them a cult because they kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Arbors and the and uh, Din's group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so there was a scene. So Din gets to join back in his group, which I kind of hoped that he wouldn't, because I kind of thought that he would realize that taking off his helmet and like sharing looks with Grogu and stuff was meaningful, meaningful. Mm-hmm. and more important than arbitrary rules that he's been grown, he's been taught. Um, so I was a little surprised that he went back to the cult and like worked so hard to get back in. Their official name is Children of the Watch. Children of the Watch. Thank you. I'm going to call it that instead. (laughs) Children of the Watch. Okay. Yes. So I I was a little bit disappointed, but I also understand that this is his family and it's Mm -hmm. where he feels he belongs. Mm -hmm. And so then there's the episode where um, they welcome Bo-Katan into the Watch because she also bathed in the waters of the Mines Mm -hmm. of Mandalore, which is kind of awesome. (laughs) Um, and she hasn't taken off her helmet yet and so they're like welcome and that was awesome um and then there's that scene where the armorer calls Bo-Katan in and tells her to remove Mm. her helmet and I want Mm -hmm. to know what you two thought of that I had really liked seeing Bo-Katan start to kind of like the children of the watch Mm -hmm. because initially it's very clear that kind of the rest of the Mandalorians or at least her group think that this children of the watch are zealots and fanatics and there's nothing worthwhile about their customs and they're just kind of fringe crazies and then once she gets accepted by them you see her sort of start to see some of the value in the like community and Mm -hmm. having people who all you know believe the same things and who are willing to um you know, sacrifice themselves for each other and that sort of thing. So it was nice to see her kind of say, see, oh, well, this may not all be bad and extreme. And so then to have her kind of forcibly removed from that by being told to take off her helmet mm-hmm. um, felt bad. I yeah. didn't, I, like, I get why, but it feels like she's being used as a pawn and it makes me sad and I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a trap. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You're not worthy. You took it off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought the armorer was going to be like, remove your helmet. You have to remove your helmet. We're all going to be together. And then Bo-Katan would remove her helmet. And then the armorer would be like, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your helmet. Yeah. (laughs) You removed your helmet. Like, I was really expecting that. I found it hard to believe that a. A woman who has so adamantly believed that you shouldn't remove your helmet that she forced yeah. Din to go do this ritual and bathe in these waters when she didn't even think that those waters existed anymore. Like she thought yeah. she was mm-hmm. kicking him out. Mm-hmm. Would suddenly be okay with it, mm. you know? Yeah. It's a, a very, I don't know, as someone who's like seen r- religious fanatics for a better term or like religious fundamentalists and the way they behave it just didn't feel it didn't feel you know realistic to me like there's no way that she would be okay with this and then I was also confused like 
is she asking Bo-Katan to bring the Mandalorians here so that they become a part of the watch? Like, are they going to be forced yeah. to put their helmets on? Or is she saying that they can live together peaceably, which, which I like, but it also doesn't feel very realistic for a cult to yeah. say that. Maybe so. it's the like perspective of them being a cult because I don't really see them as a cult, and okay. then it doesn't really seem as out of character to me. Like, yeah, yeah. they have some customs that are seemed strange by mm -hmm. the others, but we really only see them as being strange because the other Mandalorians are like, "Well, that's strange and weird, and you're extreme." Um, mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think of. I'm sure there's other examples in Star Wars of other alien cultures that you know do something, and you're like, "Oh, that's odd." Um, yeah. I mean, Grogu eats eggs, uh, eats this woman's fish egg babies, <laughs> which is, you know, perhaps not the best thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, yes, there's certainly undertones like it being too extreme. Like, you know, once you're out, you're banished forever and there's no redemption and there's no. Yeah, place, it and, like, seems that's very, very extreme, especially because yeah. like, what if you were forced to take your helmet off? What mm -hmm. if it yeah. happened accident? Like someone walked on you accidentally? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe there is a distinction made between if you do it on purpose because I think mm. she does ask yeah. him that when he does. I yeah, because I think yeah. there's the have you have you ever taken off your helmet or allowed someone to take yeah. it off you? I think is the phrasing. I could be totally wrong, but so I would assume that maybe if someone like forcibly ripped it off your head, yeah. maybe there would be. Yeah, there's definitely. Um... It, I think also we need to acknowledge that this is a conversation of diaspora and mm. it is something that a lot of us don't experience. Mm -hmm. um, it, like it, the hosts specifically, we haven't experienced that. Um, but the closest thing that I could relate it to is that my family fled Ukraine um, two weeks before the Nazis invaded during the second world war and there is a distinct difference between my family in ukraine and even just like small things like what we say on easter in ukrainian in manitoba because manitoba has a large mm -hmm. ukrainian community versus what our family in ukraine says on mm -hmm. easter Mm -hmm. kind of thing like in ukrainian and that kind of thing so like i i really do think it's a conversation of yeah again diaspora where it's like a, a culture that through oppression and violence is forcefully spread out mm. that kind of thing so i i have a lot of weird feelings, <laughs> a lot of weird personal feelings about it where mm -hmm. I see that. And like, you know, again, it's like entirely different. I I think this is a pretty big and I'm not Jewish, so I can't like comment on that. Um, but I do see like the kind of um, correlation between Jewish communities, right? Like there are still some Jewish communities where it's you cover your hair. Mm -hmm. right and things like that mm -hmm. and other jewish communities you don't and a lot of it is because you were being attacked mm -hmm. and the like genocide was actively happening against your mm -hmm. community and you did what you had to do to survive in the mm -hmm. community that you had to move to yeah so uh, yeah i see a kind of different 
Yeah, like I said, my first instinct with the armorer, where I was like, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I was like, oh no, they're being set up. Like this isn't a good thing. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, it's like maybe it is just this kind of conversation of it's more the differences can be set aside. What's more important is bringing the community back together. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that maybe the way, because they have mostly talked about the way in reference to yeah. like the helmet, but we also see yeah. them talk about the way in like taking care of foundlings or mm, exactly know, sacrificing themselves yeah. for each other. So I think it's maybe the the broadening of our understanding of the way, or maybe even like what the characters think of as a way, and the armor yep. being like there are maybe more important parts of our creed than the helmet. I really uh, like yeah, that read a bit. Yeah, that's kind of I I'm like fifty fifty on it. Mm, yeah where i was like okay either this is a trap or it's someone (laughs) who's recognizing our culture will die Mm -hmm. if we don't accept different sects and different beliefs and that kind of thing we also do see a little bit of you know maybe not extremism to the same way but like you know the the bo-katan sect is really hung up on mandalorian blood right they're like well yeah. Jindaran's not a mandalorian because he doesn't have yeah. the blood of a mandalorian yeah. so like they also make their own kind of distinction about who and who is not a mandalorian but based on different criteria that's kind of just as uh perhaps wrong uh, yep. in a different way of exclusion right so- yeah <laughs> i did really love episode seven where the mm. two groups come together and they're like yeah. Mm, yeah. iffy at first. And you're like, are they going to fight? Are they going to fight? They and do then, fight, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then Bo-Katan asks for volunteers from both groups and like everything's quiet mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. And then a few volunteer and then a bunch of people volunteer. I, I did yeah. get the feels yeah. uh, in that episode. Yeah, really for like. sure. Also, uh, which episode was it? I think it was the episode before that the one where they go rescue the folks from Navarre Navarro Navarre yeah um, uh, Navarro. And there's and there's that scene where you know Din Djarin is, is explaining why they should go help and then the other Mandalorian stands up and says well why should we risk our lives blah blah mm. blah and he's like well yeah. because mm-hmm. we're Mandalorian and then like flips it on its oh, head and yeah. all come together to go and I'm like Oh, yeah. I love yes. that. I think that made me tear up. That's I was like, it. oh, that's so powerful. Yeah, you totally gonna... think he's going to be like, we shouldn't go. And then yeah. he yeah. puts it around. Yeah. I saw it coming. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when he not. first stood up and was like, why would we do this? And I was like, and then if I were the writer, he would turn <laughs> and he would say, because we're Mandalorians. And I literally turned to my spouse and said, He's going to say, because we're Mandalorian. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And I was like, ah, called it. Like, uh, that is actually an example of the way the show was connected. Uh, we've mm. been complaining a little bit about its disconnectedness. But that um, the Mandalorian kind of made an ally out of Paz Vizsla when he say- they rescued his son. Mm-hmm. in an earlier mm-hmm. episode which yeah. i also thought was a bit of a weird episode um and that yeah. didn't really connect to anything but then it does here so that's nice yeah i do think ultimately that this goes back to my argument that i don't think din is the mandalorian mm. i think it's the mandalorian as a race like mm, as yeah. a people as a culture yeah. Kind of thing season, like, definitely yeah yeah and because i did notice and quite a few episodes where I was like, Din is just taking a back seat. Mm-hmm. Like he's really yeah. not 
He's almost like Anything. Mad Max in like the Mad yes. Max film where it's like he's there. He might be the main character kind of in the title, but he's not really the protagonist necessarily. That is a phenomenal comparison. Emma. I think that's like a really, a really yeah. great example. When you look at Mad Max Fury Road, it's not a story about Mad Max. He is the thread mm-hmm. that weaves all these stories together, but yeah. it's not really about him. Yeah. Right. And I, I kind of feel the same with the Mandalorian this season, where yeah. for better or for worse, it's not really about him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of about the culture mm-hmm. and the people mm-hmm. and all of these stories that come together. I got to point out another fail for me, at least, that the story that <laughs> the writers tearing this season I've, to shreds. <laughs> so critical. To shreds. Um, so when. Mando, not Mando, when Din. He's not Mando anymore. Either way, when either Din way. Jaren, people still call him Mando. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, gives Bo-Katan the dark saber. Mm, yeah. Um, they tried, the, I think, the writers tried to set this up as a surprise. Um, mm-hmm. Because the that episode where he's captured um, yeah. in the mines happens mm-hmm. at, I think that's episode two. I believe, yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're supposed to have forgotten that that happened because mm. this. I is... didn't. No, the whole time I, I was like, the it's whole not time. him. That, yeah. yeah, the whole time I was like, it's not him anymore. Like, she, <laughs> yeah. like I think you were supposed to or not notice or something, um, but everyone noticed and was like waiting for it. So it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. Um, could, so could, I think yeah. that failed. Could that possibly have been the intent, though? Like, was it supposed to be a thing where you're waiting for the other shoe to drop? Maybe. And you want to clue the audience yeah. in so they feel really smart when it, it's like, hard, gets it's revealed. Hard to, I just felt, I felt more disappointed than smart, though, mm. like, because I wanted it to yeah. be, I wanted to be tricked, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but maybe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment to be a big dork about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. My goodness, was that character so cool. I was like, I want more human eyeballs and weird, like, oh, that weird creature. Yeah, yeah, I was like, thing. Yeah, I was, it it reminded me a lot of uh, General Grievous, Mm, mm -hmm. yeah, but like Mm -hmm. a more extreme version. Mm-hmm. Like their General Grievous was still largely humanoid, even with the extra arms yeah. and everything. This was just like so weird. Very and as a f- fan of weird and creepy things, <laughs> I was just like, yes. Yeah. I want more of this. Yeah. Like, give me more of this. Like, I was so hyped up on it. And I was hoping yeah. there would be more of them. Mm. Yeah. When they kind go back to the planet. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I want this to be a whole society of weird little eyeball <laughs> human eyeball droids human eyeball yeah. and brain droids like I'm, i want i'm glad you this. brought that yeah. up because i wanted to bring up um world building sci-fi creatures Ooh, i feel yeah. like sometimes it's a little more challenging than fantasy because fantasy sort it of is, has yeah. this base of mm-hmm. mythology you can draw on already and sci-fi is a little bit like well do we just do a sort of a dragon <laughs> but not yeah. but call it something else call it a raptor call it a crayon yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah which they did yep. um do we they make sure a half cyborg half animal which they did yeah um and also i loved the mythosaur and my oh my guess actually my wish for the finale which will have aired when this episode goes live but hasn't yet is that um bo-katan like 
tames it and rides it like in the myth. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I literally said after I watched one of the episodes, I was like, if someone doesn't ride this mythosaur, <laughs> I am yeah. setting fires in the street. Like be so I am causing a full on riot. <laughs> be yeah. right there with you. It's for sure showing up and hopefully with Bo-Katan on its back. Exactly. Yeah. Or all yeah. of them, all of the Mandalorians on its back, oh. or something. <laughs> Just this so, it's big enough. Yeah, they, they can, can all they'll yeah. squish. <laughs> I I agree with Christiana though. I really like how sci-fi can kind of combine tech with with creatures. Yeah. I think that's yeah. Fun. And that I creature mean, was so like, you know, it it's been thoroughly established. I'm the resident horror fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was good and creepy and weird and i just like the moment i saw it i was like "Mm, more (laughs) please and thank you like i want i want the weirdest things i want the creepiest things and that felt so um i get a reference a horror movie that i don't know many people have seen and you shouldn't watch it if you're (laughs) not okay with gore (laughs) but it it was like if hostile like which is a movie about people being tortured mm. um met sci-fi mm. where it's like i want to see just an eyeball and a brain mm-hmm. and a weird little droid that mines other people's eyeballs and brains you know what i mean like that's kind of the thing where i was like oh that's so cool you don't see horror elements a lot in star wars like yeah. it's pretty infrequent and that was i think why it got me so excited is i was like that's creepy yeah. you don't see creepy a lot <laughs> and as a creep i was like yes christiana yes there for it <laughs> yeah i love when world built creatures you can look at them and you can kind of see exactly how they like got to be there or how they evolved or why they live in this environment and i feel like i so got that from the weird creepy droid yes. thing like yes. this planet imploded there's all this destruction and energy and i could just like s- imagine the little like droid piecing itself together and like scavenging yeah. parts from like people and machines and it's just so evocative and i love that for world building when the creature feels like it's really part of the mm-hmm. world and like makes sense yeah. in that way so yeah a plus star wars for the creepy droid thing <laughs> i also love creatures that have like long history so much so they're like that's not real mm. we're not sure if that's real anymore so i also love yeah. the mythosaur i love yeah. the name of the mythosaur, I know. It's, the mythosaur it's, it's just yeah. so obvious <laughs> It's a mythical dinosaur. (laughs) But I also really love the conversation of like the living waters. Yeah. That's such a, the fact that like the mythosaur, if you're looking at its anatomy, should be a mammal, Mm. right? Like it shouldn't be an amphibian. It Mm. shouldn't be a fish. Um, It's a mammal. And those, there are underwater mammals like whales and things like that. Um, it doesn't look like that. It's not mm-hmm. built for living underwater. Mm-hmm. So the concept of the living waters were something that's basically like, in my opinion, a giant llama with horns. <laughs> kind of like love it. Maybe the maybe the best way to describe it can live can exist and thrive in the living waters that's that's some cool sci-fi yeah that's just awesome yeah and also the dinosaur turtle from episode one i just got 
Avatar, yeah. The Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. From that. So, yeah. side note. Yeah, they did. <laughs> creature. A lot building. of cool creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. There was a world building trope that they kind of turned on their head a little bit that I really liked in the episode that cameoed Lizzo and Jack Black, which first oh of my all God. is amazing. Yes. Can I um, scream about that? <laughs> yes, go I ahead. I literally, the, I think I tweeted the scream I scrumped. Like when I saw that, I was like, Jack Black. And then it panned over slightly and I was like, Lizzo. And I like absolutely lost my mind. And I think that's one thing that Star Wars does so well is you could just be so goofy with it sometimes. (laughs) Like sometimes you need a little relief. Yeah. Sometimes you need Jack Black with his magnificent beard (laughs) being a diplomat. And sometimes you need Lizzo cuddling baby Grogu and it was just like so perfect and stupid and wonderful and that's one of the things I love about Star Wars so much is that it could be so serious (laughs) and then the next episode could just be so ridiculously stupid with the cameos (laughs) like I, I was just losing my mind I actually had to pause it and be like is that actually Lizzo? Like, I'm losing my mind. Like, I was so pleased. I saw Anyways. so many people screaming about the cameos uh, before I had watched it um, on social media. Yeah. And I got all excited yeah. because I thought they meant Star Wars cameos. Like, I was going to see some no, characters that I loved. And then I was actually a little disappointed because it oh, was a different type fair. of cameo yeah. than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like and also Doc episode. Brown. Oh yeah, that was fun. The yes, security. like yeah. you know what I mean. Like, there's just so <laughs> many. Like, I have fun with it because I know it's people. I know it's celebrities who love Star Wars, mm. who are like, I have this opportunity to be a character. Yeah, and have so much fun with yep. it, and it's like a highlight of my life, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And well, then also- I feel that with them, yeah. where I see them, but I'm like, ah. Oh, I'm so happy for Lizzo. I'm so happy for Doc Brown. I'm so happy for yeah, exactly. Um, the uh the character who played Jar Jar Binks also made a cameo in this. Um, I don't remember what his name was, but he was the Jedi that like rescued Grogu um at the beginning of that one episode. And I've seen stuff about how like like we all know that nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans, and people were absolutely (laughs) horrible to him after the prequels and. Uh, so it's really nice that he got to experience like kind of a redemption. Not that he needed one, but like you know he got to like have a more joyful filled yes. Star Wars role. His name really is nice. Ahmed Best. Yes, thank and, you. And yeah, the moment I saw him, I started crying because yeah. I know he was like bullied off of mm-hmm. social media and out of acting and things like that. And I saw him, and I was like. I'm 99% certain that's Ahmed Best. Mm -hmm. And I made my spouse pause the episode. And then as soon as it was confirmed, I was like, he deserves this. Like, I just started crying. It's it's kind of terrible how awful some of the actors have been treated. Like the actor for little Anakin and teenager Anakin were really bullied. I was really glad to see Hayden Christensen come back for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kelly Mary Tran was also bullied off of social media. Like so many. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like my one thing with Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. where it's like, 
don't take it so literally. Be kind people. Yeah. Hurt be nice nobody. to like, separate the actors from their characters also. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Anyway. Um, there was a world building thing in the episode with Lizzo and Jack Black. And uh, <laughs> before we got really excited about the casting. Yeah. But I liked <laughs> in that episode. There was, you know, the whole thing um, where he talks about how, oh, if I shut down all the droids, nobody on this planet would know how to function because they're all too busy. Yes. Like, but I kind of liked that that wasn't ever, that wasn't really held up by the narrative. Like nobody in the narrative was like, oh yeah, these people all suck. They're so frivolous. It was just kind of like, this is how this planet is. And it's kind of nice because um, there is actually yeah. nothing wrong with enjoying your life and pursuing art and not you know selling your labor to a corporation um and yeah usually i feel like that's how sci-fi trope go is it's like oh this this planet has devolved into just you know hedonism and endless joy Shopping. isn't this terrible yeah, yeah but it was, so it's kind of nice to just be like no it's actually fine and this is a nice place to live and that's we should fix these great... robots <laughs> yeah that's a great point because i kept waiting for the shoe to drop mm -hmm. like i was like they're gonna be evil Yes, in yeah. some capacity, and then when they weren't, I was like, "That's just I feel good." Yeah, <laughs> like I, I feel actually, lovely. Like, I thought they were gonna make a deeper point about mm -hmm. droid slavery in that mm -hmm. show because yeah, we were watching, and point. and I asked my yeah. husband as we were watching, "I'm like, are droids like um sentient, uh, sentient in Star Wars? Like, are are they?" And yeah. then and then the next scene, they were in a bar, and it was yeah, a droid it, bar. It, yeah. And it I was like, yeah, they totally are. <laughs> um, and so, and they kind of, it looked like it was going to touch on like yep. slavery and Troy, and then it just didn't. And I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah. That it didn't. I feel like that's maybe fair. that's a seed for a future season. Like uh, I think, because there, oh, there also has been the recurring thing about, about Din's whole issue with droids and that he hates droids and yep. stuff, which has kind of been an undercurrent, but never really had a direct confrontation or like come to a head. So I feel like maybe they're, they might have, I my hope would be that they would address that more in a future yeah, season. Yeah, I hope they seems. do too. Because yeah. yeah, that definitely was a little bit uncomfortable where I was like, oh, these droids are enjoying themselves. They are definitely yeah. self-aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. So where are the droid rights? <laughs> anyway, yeah. we have to move on. We could keep do talking we, for hours. <laughs> um, but we should probably go on to our proprietor's pick. For the day so if you liked the mandalorian you might also like the splinter in the sky by kimi ashingiwa this is coming a book coming in on july 11 2023 which is in about three months and here's the summary the dust may have settled in the war of conquest between the holy velberan empire and the omnirish republic but the Empire's surrender means little, especially to a lowly scribe like Anitan. Given her country's continuing status as a Valboran province, all she wants is to quit her day job and expand her fledgling tea business. But when Imperial agents assassinate her lover and ab abduct her sibling, Anitan abandons her idyllic plans and embarks on a rescue mission, weaving her tea tray up through the heart of the Valboran capital. Her enemies are countless, clever, and powerful beyond measure. There's a new god emperor on the throne, and her reign promises to change the continent forever. And as Enetan sinks deeper into the Empire's bloody conspiracies, she discovers just how far she's willing to go to exact vengeance, save her sibling, and perhaps even restore her homeland's freedom. So this gave me Star Wars vibes. Yeah, I was going to say, especially with... Um... 
kind of restoring Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is like the main theme of this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Restoring yeah. your homeland. And then just the little mm-hmm. bit about the, the tea business just yes. sounded amazing to me. It's that like, yeah. nothing Uncle to do with Iroh Star Wars. But yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It made me very happy. What um, age level is this book for? I think it's an adults. Okay. And we had, you had another uh, proprietor's pick about a tea shop, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the Tea Dragon Society. It's just yes. a graphic novel. Yeah. So apparently I just really like tea. Allie loves tea. <laughs> yeah. Or at least she loves reading about tea. I do. I also, I love, also love, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> tea is a big part of my life. So I'm just double checking whether this is adult. It's not tagged as a YA and usually mm. they are. So book. I think it's adult. It's also tagged with LGBT and queer mm, and amazing. space opera. So yeah, excited, Ooh, space opera. Cool. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's Star Wars. There you yeah. go. Okay, I was gonna say that's Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is a space opera. It's a queer uh, but... person. Um, so this Luke sounds wearing them yeah. Chanel boots. Yes, <laughs> in episode six, I choose to believe he's queer. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I if also... you end up reading this book, please tell us. And uh, yes. I'm actually mm-hmm. excited. I want to talk about some of the books we've done in the proprietor's picks mm-hmm. next season. I think that yeah. could be fun. Yeah. Maybe we'll pick a couple of them. We'll see how similar they were to the original franchises yeah. that uh, yeah. Ali based the recommendation on. Awesome. Well, yes, before we launch back into another long tirade about Star Wars, we'll uh, <laughs> have to wrap things up, unfortunately. So we are going to have last call here with our concluding questions or thoughts about what you can learn from season three of the mandalorian and apply to your world building ali what do you got oh my goodness we talked about so many things i don't even know where to start there's so much (laughs) um i'll i'll do when you're building a sci-fi creature into Mm. your world Mm. um take inspiration from star wars on how you could maybe incorporate technology into Mm. a creature like how Mm. that creepy eyeball cyborg thing was done i think that was really neat but then Mm -hmm. how you can also take more of a fantasy angle um with something like the mythosaur and give it a a big backstory a big um mysterious backstory yeah 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 awesome um, I will say, I think I, I may have said something like this before, but I'm going to say it again because I think that Mandalorian does it really well. And it's also one of my favorite things in world building is don't make your culture monolithic. Make it yeah. have groups, make it have subgroups, make them yeah. see things differently, make them have conflicts and similarities and stupid human or alien prejudices where we dislike each other for stupid reasons mm-hmm. that don't actually exist <laughs> yeah. and no outsider would ever notice. Um, it just makes your your culture and your society feel so much more real and it provides a yeah. really organic mechanism for conflict and for your characters to like have self-reflection and growth and it's just so good so uh chef's kiss to the mandalorian this season for all of its perhaps stumbles i think it did that really really well yeah. and i think that we can all apply that to our world building mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i guess my question would be if you are relating a story to a real life community, are you a part of it? Are you correctly 
capturing what that experience looks like? Mm. Are you talking to the people who are part of it? Are you hiring sensitivity readers? Like that's mm-hmm. something that I see a lot with the Mandalorian is with them. Diaspora and communities and things like that. So it's if you're taking influence from something, it's very worthwhile to talk to mm. members of that community. Particularly Even if, it's just... if that community is like oppressed or exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like even if it's um just like a a take on that community or inspired by it or anything like that talk to that community mm-hmm. see what the see what the actual feelings are like see what the actual experience is like that kind of thing mm-hmm. not only yeah. will that you know make be a be a good person thing to do and you're not causing harm yeah. to you <laughs> exactly. but it also will make yeah. your writing better because you will learn things that you just don't know because you're not a part of that community so recognize the things you don't know (laughs) yeah i think that's a a common fault in writing as people say write what you know Mm. um but sometimes you have to write about things that you don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, fantasy right? and sci-fi so, is all yeah. about writing yeah. what yeah. you don't know. Fantasy, it's like all of these things that you don't know. If you're taking um, inspiration from something that exists in society, take a moment, have mm-hmm. a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we pay talk- them also. Yes. It's yes. like, that. I was going to say, like, if you, um, like I work for an indigenous organization. If you are talking to an elder mm-hmm. about their experience, compensate them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there it's called honoraria. Mm-hmm. Like if you are talking to someone about their cultural and lived experiences, find a way to compensate them if it's outside of um things like sensitivity readers and things like that. Like it's always be respectful of the cultures that you're pulling from Mm -hmm. and always uh, like life is hard. Yeah. So, and you'll recognize that you're benefiting from people's labor when they're telling you their stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge emotional labor Mm -hmm. for people to share personal stories. So if you're, Pulling from a personal experience that you don't have, pay them, Mm -hmm. take them out to dinner, Mm -hmm. respect their culture, respect their practices, give them tobacco, give them whatever they need um, to kind of feel respected in that situation. And a lot of people will be pleased Mm -hmm. to know that those stories are being told. So Mm -hmm. just, yeah. We did have a, we had a, I think a longer conversation about um, that in our first episode when we were talking about Good Omens. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you, listener, haven't heard that episode and you're interested in hearing more about how to write things that are not your own culture or should you write things that are not your own culture, go check out that episode. You can remember back Mm -hmm. to the first episode. I have no memory of that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I only remember it because I listened to our previous episodes to get uh, nuggets of wisdom that I then tweet on our Twitter. Uh. So that's why that is still in my brain. (laughs) 
I think just the main lesson is if you're writing outside of your own experience, remember that there are people yes. behind that. I yeah. think that's like the main thing. Yeah, so. totally. These are all things to ponder, to consider, to take to heart when you are building your own world. But now we are closing. Thank you so much for joining us at the Tavern. We hope to serve you here again soon. But right now, you've got to scram. See ya. Bye. Get out of here.